0: Yeah, I feel like yeah. we've all been like raising money and donating to mutual aid things for five years, and uh, I don't know. I was, if there's just like a Texas IRA, well,
1: anyway, thanks for thanks for thinking let's, this. Uh, let's do a
2: Twitch stream to start a Texas IRA. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that at this point, like you know, anything that anything that feels like it'd be useful, you can't talk about it. <laughs> I, I, nope.
1: Uh, nope. Or on Twitter.
2: Yeah. And how? And anyone who is talking about that shit, it's like, oh, yeah. you're a police officer. Oh
1: god damn it! I was just like, god damn it! Like last night, I was just like seeing this shit in the Supreme Court while I was looking at like all of Brooklyn like just flood, like the first flash flood in New York City yeah. history, like eleven tornadoes in New Jersey. It just feels like it's. I, I suppose it's. it's uh, <laughs> it feels like it feels sort of like it feels sort of like the <laughs> Earth,
2: Terra, uh, being like. You know, in the inf- infernal yeah, or something yes, like that, yes. like a yeah, sort, sort of, of our, a geo hell
1: uh, type situation. Gaya sort of like being like, in fact, like Dante's Inferno. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well, I mean, other than the subways, it seems like New York City is great today. It's a beautiful day out uh, and all the water is super- yeah, yeah, I bet a lot <laughs> yeah. of those dude, streets I was, look, I was, uh, look, look cleaner. Yeah, dude I was, was even years. able to
0: get in five Grubhub orders last night.
3: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Okay, everybody, hello, it's Chapo, um, coming to you, coming to you on Thursday, as per usual, and I gotta say, there are certain episodes that, uh, due to time, uh, fate, and circumstance line up that I feel, uh, wholly inadequate, uh, to process, but, you know, we're obviously coming face-to-face up against the fact that, um, for all intents and purposes, uh, Roe v. Wade has just been overturned, and it is very likely that, uh, The abortion will be functionally illegal in probably half of this country, uh, with Texas leading the way and the Supreme Court upholding this absolutely barbarous bill just passed by Texas that would effectively i don 't know enlist every fucking crank in the country to become an abortion bounty hunter and could not just criminalize doctors performing abortions or um, even recommending uh, that they're uh, to a to a patient or someone some any kind of reproductive health care but indeed even technically even uber drivers or just private citizens who seek to facilitate uh, a loved one or friend or a family member obtaining an abortion i mean. I, I don't even know where to begin with this one. It just feels like uh, everything is a nightmare and it's only getting worse. Uh, I guess I'll just start with um, there really is no such thing anymore as what is unconstitutional or constitutional. I mean, like you can throw that out the window. I mean, you can you can look at this decision. This I don't know, the the shadow decision that was just fucking released on like Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Um, but like, yeah, that's pretty much over. Like there, the, what is constitutional and unconstitutional is only a matter of who gets to exercise political power. And the question is now, will anyone seek to exercise political power against the Supreme Court? And, I, you know, that, that's that's where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah. And even going beyond constitutional, the popular uh, idea about the Supreme Court uh, since Amy Coney Barrett got in was that there was a ba- there was a functioning deal run by Roberts through every justice in the court, that every decision would basically keep business as usual going in America. And I guess that's been true with some things. People thought that would hold indefinitely, but I do not see how anyone could still say that after this. I mean, this is just this is a roadmap for every red state in the country to rape every woman in the state through forced motherhood. There's no just agreed-upon regular status quo. They were already heading in this direction. This has long been their plan to functionally overturn Roe v. Wade through the courts. Uh, but a 5-4 decision, the dead of midnight, with uh, no official opinion for something like this, I, th- there's no functioning deal that will significantly protect the lives of Americans.
1: No, I mean, it's, it certainly seems like, uh, you know, uh, uh, no one's coming to help. No one's coming to save anyone, um, as, especially if you're one of the 14 and a half million women who currently live in the state of Texas. Um, it's like, obviously, we all knew this was coming. And like, the, I think the big question, like, leading up to it is certainly like after Trump got to appoint three Supreme Court justices, is not a question of if, but when. And the question would be, what, it's, what, it, what is it going to look like? And I think a lot of people, I think maybe I think have correctly intuited. That they are not going to actually like technically overturn Roe v. Wade, but they will—they will have done. And I think this like they've been planning for this for decades. They have done exactly that, but on this kind of like weird technicality, so that they don't have a, a headline saying Roe v. Wade overturned. But like, make no mistake, that's exactly what's what's just happened.
2: And well, I mean, it's been in the process. Like the Casey
1: decision already did a lot
2: to make it functionally. Uh, impossible for a lot of poor women to get abortions in, in states that decide that they want to make it difficult. Uh, and this is really just a continuation, yes, of a process, but of a process that, that has been basically
1: unchallenged uh, uh, anywhere else. And I mean, like, and this is the, and this is the thing now, like, I mean, especially anything when it comes up with the Supreme court, I mean, we all saw it yesterday. It, we, we get, we go back into this cycle of like relitigating the last two elections and pointing fingers at everyone from Ralph Nader to Jill Stein, to Bernie Sanders. I mean, like, look, there, there's no point in going through all that again. We all know about RBG and you know <laughs> her staying on the court while she had cancer. Um, there's no point in going through all that. All I will say is that, like, all of this finger pointing right now is there to obscure the fact that all of this happened under. I mean, like, this thing that just happened hundred, happened under a Democratic president and Congress. So I think the question is, what are they going to do? Are like, are they? they should, I mean, like, if you look at just on their Twitter accounts, the, their their statements about this Texas abortion law don't even mention the word abortion. And if you're talking about Kamala or Joe Biden, they, they talk about health care, um, which, you know, I mean, obviously abortion is healthcare, care, but, like, the, the issue is abortion and the legal right to it. Um, like, the, I mean, it's just, like, are they going to do anything about the Supreme Court? Because, I mean, like, are they, they going to pack the court? Are they going to pass a federal law that essentially invalidates um, this Texas decision and making Roe v. Wade a federal... Like you know, you could they could pass a law that would make it so it's just like abortion is now legal in America, like and they could they could do that. But I don't I like I, don't, I haven't heard any haven't heard any rumblings of that. But like this is this is a question about who gets to, who is going to exercise political power, and what we're seeing right here through the courts are are the fruits of a decades decades long political project by the right that has now you know come to come to bear fruit that we're all living with the consequences of. And they're they're really, the the, the Democrat or like liberal effort to um, fight for abortion rights has been very kind of piecemeal and, uh, you know, dependent a lot on basically individual uh, wealthy donors and nonprofit groups. And uh, just like, you know, the individual conscience of people who are outraged by the idea that abortion is going to be made illegal in large parts of this country. But I mean, it it is through the courts that the the right wing in this country have figured out a way to exercise pretty much complete political power over a majority that wishes them uh, to do the opposite. And, and now it's just like, okay, well, then what the fuck do we do about the Supreme Court? Because it is, as far as I'm concerned, we've said this numerous times on the show, a thoroughly illegitimate body of government that needs to be done away with yesterday. And where do you start? I mean, like, I, I think we need, I mean, the most realistically right now, I think the Democrats should add four more justices to the court and the rejoinder to that is oh well what happens when the republicans get in office and they add four more justices good i hope it fucking happens i hope every new president appoints like six seven eight ten more justices until there's like a thousand people on the supreme court anything at this point that would delegitimize the supreme court as an authority and a political institution in american life is only for the better in my opinion
2: which is exactly why the democrats will never do that because yeah. they are the party who see it as part of their their uh, remit to defend institutional legitimacy of, of every element of government, and who see like the Republicans as as uh, undermining those things, and as their job to to keep them up, and and so yeah, I I, I mean they're gonna they're gonna fundraise off it. That's all. That's what they've been doing since Casey. They're going to fundraise. Yeah, this is.
0: Yeah, no, this will just this will fuel a thousand emails with urgent with urgent uh, headlines that result in nothing. I mean, the Supreme Court for congressional Democrats is it's like if you were bowling, but you put the bumpers in front of the pins. (laughs) Oh, damn. It doesn't matter how well we roll. Well, that's always there. Guess we just have to rule out throwing strikes.
1: And I mean, I mean, this is this is the horrible truth about it. And I've seen a lot of people talk about, like, how could the Democrats be this weak? It's time for the Democrats to get ruthless like the Republicans. And it's just like, they're not stupid. The, the, this is this is calculated on their part. I mean, like uh, I mean, they know that like the the states that they are in firm control of, like uh, uh, the right to having a, you know, to obtain an abortion. was pro- likely to remain uh, pretty safe for the time being, at least. But the point is, as a fundraising and as a campaign issue. This is this is a jackpot for them, and the thing is, like, I think Democrats, like, at a national level, depend on the right to an abortion being legally imperiled at every given moment, or in fact, being further stripped away, because, like, that's the thing that they run on. That's like has like that that's a thing you can point to to be like, oh, like, like this is a difference. Like, this is why you vote for Democrats. So this so they can appoint a Supreme Court justice. It's like, well, they don't even do that anymore. I mean, I joked I the other day. I will believe that the Democrats are serious about abortion rights in this country if I read an article next week about how Stephen Breyer now has Havana Syndrome.
2: Well, but like, what? It's six three. You yeah, know, you're right? Who gives a shit what happens to that old fucking fossil? It's six three court. He can fucking crawl up his own ass and disappear tomorrow, and they could put a twenty year old um, abortion activist on the court for and who can issue spicy uh, dissents on TikTok. It's not going to change the actual outcome of any of the cases.
1: You're right. I should have changed my joke. If uh, if Amy Coney, if, if Amy Kobe Bryant and Brett Kavanaugh start experiencing Havana syndrome, okay, then yeah. See now we're then, talking. Then now we're talking. Now we're talking here. But um, I I was talking about this in light of the fact that like I mean I I have a couple I have a couple like uh, just articles here. I mean like th- this first one is astonishing because it is literally from August twenty second two thousand twenty one by Noah Feldman writing in Bloomberg Opinion headline Kavanaugh is the last hope for abortion rights. Liberals have reviled the conservative Supreme Court justice since his confirmation hearing, but now hope that he still cherishes the reputation for moderation that he cultivated. There's that guy, uh, Neil, uh, what's his name, Uh, Neil Cottiel. Oh, yeah, the guy who who defended uh, Nestle's slavery. Yeah, he's the guy who defended Nestle's child slavery. Excuse me, excuse me,
2: sir. He defended uh, the Solicitor General's uh, right as a lawyer to defend Nestle's child slavery. My bad. uh, In the Supreme Court. My bad. How dare you?
1: uh, just law professor brain. Like, I, I just, just, all this shit. Like, all, I don't ever want to hear from another law professor or lawyer ever again about any of this shit. I like, like I, what? I just, like,
0: I just couldn't be on the timeline, really. Like, <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know. Just everyone. Like, yeah, the law professors, but also, like, also, like, the people who are like 35, and it's like, you're never having kids. You're fucking never having kids. You've poisoned your fucking brain with monitor blue light for the last decade you whether you're like a based trad cath or fucking whatever your your seed is rotten you're spewing out like the dust at the bottom of a fucking sunflower seed thing maybe maybe if you ever ever like go farther in life maybe you can buy a fucking wife from a catalog and you can force her into motherhood like you want to do with every other fucking woman in this country but I just yeah nah this is the closest I was to just like asking one of my more fucked up friends to, like, find a picture of someone's mom's house to post. It's just really, like, everyone from, like, you know, like, the FBI agents who are now on CNN, and they're like, oh, I uh, hope it was worth it to uh, vote for Bernie in 2016 to, like, yeah, just the the pieces of shit that are talking the guns out of their mouth by pretending to be religious online. Just everything is driving me insane.
1: Yeah, no, but I mean, it's just like uh, whether it's it, whether it's the Nestle child slavery guy or all these other like uh, law professors. I mean, like I, I'm just looking one of the one of the Atlantic by T.M. Lerman, why Amy Coney Barrett might surprise everyone, and it's like you know, like these people are not. I mean, these people are all on like MSNBC, but they're not like uh, partisan in the sense that they're like you know Neil Katia, Katyal is like you know I'm I'm an extremist centrist or whatever. But at the same point, they play a role of kind of like the institutional disciplinarians that are taken seriously by liberals and no one else, why was it for both Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, why did we see so many of these people willing to come out and just be like, hey, you know what? They may surprise you. Or like, you know, like, they 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 won't be so bad. And I think that's because of, like, their institutional role within the Democratic Party is to, like, you know, fucking, I don't know, like, <laughs> just, just just play the pleasant music while, you know, like, the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> while, while the plunger is in the fucking needle hit. And I, I mean, I think it's because, like, they, they know that they, they, it's perfectly okay. And in fact, as we've said many times before, beneficial to the Democrats to have a completely right wing Supreme Court for the next 50 fucking years. Because if, if, the, if, like, the right to a legal abortion were completely taken off the table in all 50 states through federal legislation that just fucking ended it people might start asking the Democrats to do some of the other things that they're supposed to believe in. But as long as abortion is, is imperiled and now even more so than it's ever been since Roe v. Wade, um, it, you know, like the, the, the emotional appeal of always voting for Democrats is going to be even more salient, which it doesn't even make sense to me because it's just like, if the last thing that they have to offer you is just keeping someone like Amy Coney Barrett off the Supreme Court and they're not even doing that, then, and then and at this point, it doesn't matter unless they like literally get rid of the Supreme Court then it's just like, what like what is this power to fucking scold and discipline the rest of us for? You know, like what what effect does does this have over people still? Because like the Supreme Court, the courts they're gone, they're they're not that's not coming back, and like, barring some sort of like genuinely like revolutionary change in like American government. Yeah, it's weird. I, I guess this is the fantasy of of as bad as it is. Imagine
2: how it's worse. And also the important thing to remember is the people they're really pitching this to the people that they're fundraising for are people who are still able to get an abortion because mm-hmm. it's because, oh, uh, these red states are banning it. But even if you live in a red state, if you have enough money, you can get an abortion in this country. And so the thought, the the the, the risk, the, the fear of a, some like genuine national uh, ban that actually impacts like middle and upper class Women's ability to get an a- abortion—that that's still a possibility, and therefore uh, worth always, always voting for Democrats to avoid.
1: And and it's just like on the specifics of this this Texas bill that the Supreme Court just upheld on a complete technicality without issuing an opinion—is so. Just like in, the, like it's not just like 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 banning abortion after six weeks, which is effectively banning it, because the only people that are aware that they're pregnant before six weeks are people who have been trying to get pregnant, and by definition, will, are unlikely to be seeking an abortion. Like this, this they, is, they very well might kill themselves in a gender reveal, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or burn down an entire state. Um, it's, it's like that is bad enough, but the bounty hunter aspect to this is thoroughly yeah. fucking crap. I mean, it's like it's almost. I, I mean, I feel sickened even talking about it, and like I said, like I feel in, inadequate to the task. I mean, rest assured that this will not be the last time we talk about this. I mean, this literally just happened last night. Uh, you know, it's just like everyone's everyone just feels very, uh, it's just uh, it, it's indescribable. I mean, everyone knew this was coming, but like now that it's here, it it it, it is impossible to process. I mean, just imagine. Just like uh, literally $10,000 bounties on just like snitching on anyone even thinking about getting an abortion or anyone in Texas who has like helped a friend, a family member, or just a stranger even obtain like what is a basic feature of like the the healthcare systems of like any other comparable major developed democracy. Just everyone is dog the bounty hunter now for like tracking (laughs) down like people like seeking abortions and then like criminalizing and punishing them. And again, like it's, it's. don't be mistaken. Like, like the, 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 this bill is just like, just, just ringing the dinner bell to every fucking like anti-abortion nut job out there. Everyone who protests clinics. Everyone who screams at doctors and women outside of like, uh, outside Planned Parenthood's. Like, this is just saying it's it's fucking open season on any woman or any person who provides abortion. And I don't know, like, I mean, and on top of that, I know, I know, abortion is getting most of the ink right now, and rightfully so. But um, someone, this is just a. Someone like a, a Rotten in Denmark, just Twitter user, just, just shared four other laws that have just passed, the Texas, the Texas GOP has just passed. Uh, the first of which, um, homeless encampments uh, are now um, illegal, uh, making camping in an unapproved public place a misdemeanor punishable by a $500 fine. Um, Protesting laws, which means uh, if you block any road or freeway and prevent emergency vehicles from passing or block hospital entrances, you'll now face felony charges. Uh, Unless
2: you're protesting uh, on behalf
1: of the the brave,
2: freedom-loving people of Cuba or uh, Israel's right to use uh, fucking uh,
1: napalm. Or if you're blocking the entrance to an abortion clinic which I guess now doesn't even exist in Texas. So I I guess that's a moot point. Uh, Critical race theory. Uh, Teachers are now limited on how they discuss certain historical events, race and racism in the classroom. The law bans discussions over critical race theory, which for whatever that word originally means, I guarantee you just means any discussion of the history of the United States in any Texas schoolroom. And then finally, uh, of course, national anthem law. Professional sports teams in Texas are now required to play the national anthem, regardless of players' opinions on the symbolism of the song. Those that do not follow the law risk losing millions of dollars in state and local tax subsidies. Well, I mean, actually, that may have a net on positive effect if we stop giving tax subsidies to fucking professional sports franchises. So just stop doing the fucking national anthem. Um, I don't know, guys. Sorry, I'm, I'm struggling with this because it's just it, it's, it's, it's so yeah, fucking it's just, wretched. It's just, it's just so wretched. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's beyond, ho- yeah, it's beyond
0: horrifying and you know, your mind starts to wander and, you know, you see this as, like, a race to the bottom in all these red states, and it doesn't really end anywhere. The next thing will be plan B. The next thing will be anything that, in any way, like, allows a woman to prevent from being forced into motherhood. Just a completely completely evil society in half the country.
2: Be- well, and I mean, it's not like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be any better anywhere else. I mean, like in the the blue states they don't have like these these this formal regime of of like uh of of spectacles of domination and power they just have the, the benign neglect right uh and, and and everything gets worse for everybody and then like culture people producing culture feel that they have to like uh you know, do their part to try to make people better by uh, turning everything that people see on television and movies into a a, a fucking a schoolhouse rock episode about about liberal values. And, and then everybody and, and then the people, <clears throat> the conservatives who actually do have access to power at state and local levels, just use that to uh, push back against that with th- this sort of mix of like genuinely punitive and sadistic laws. Uh, and uh, just silly uh, uh, statement shit like the 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 flag law uh, uh, requirement, uh, and because because every every misery and trauma in this country is filtered through this partisan identity uh, among the people who you know are participate in politics, uh, and because the the actual cause of all this misery is a bipartisan consensus that can't be challenged uh, from within the political system. Uh, it, it, it's just this constant bidding war of mis- of, uh, of punishment uh, and sadism uh, uh, f- standing in for any positive hope for making anything better for anybody because th- there's nobody in a position of power uh, embodying uh, an alternative.
0: There's also I feel like a sort of secondary purpose and benefit of these laws is that it causes like a lot of people in the liberal polity to just totally like write off Texas. You know, just go fuck this place. It's it's a backwards hellhole. Fuck it. Nothing good comes from there. Which, like, I don't know. To an average person, like, I, I just as an immediate emotional reaction, I fucking get it. Um, everyone's done that in some regard. I'm not going to moralize about having that reaction, but you know, you do that enough, and it it, it sort of solidifies people who were on the on the margins about this. And it does it it succeeds in making Texas this like horrifying, this this horrifying evil fortress state where they feel like everyone outside is looking down on them. And even if they weren't originally on board with this, they'll just accept it like most Americans just accept things.
1: I mean, as far as like, you know, how... It's just an evidence of how evil a society we live in. I mean, at least as far... I mean, forget, leaving aside the, the shit about, you know, protesting or the standing for the flag or whatever, on the issue of abortion, uh, this decision is wildly unpopular. I mean, like, 70% of the country is firmly in favor of, like, even if they're personally squeamish about abortion, would you like to see Roe v. Wade overturned? It is very clear that a set, like, super, super majority of this country is in favor of abortion remaining legal in America. They may countenance all kinds of regulations and restrictions, which make it, like we said, functionally illegal, but, like, just on its face. And I think, like, evidence of that is I think they're counting on people just being sort of, like traumatized, confused, um, just sort of uh, embittered by this. I mean, like, if you look at, like, I, uh, I was looking at, like, the, like, conservative media today, like, you know, scrolling through, like, the National Review, Fox News or whatever. On the whole, they're all been pretty silent about this Texas bill. They they do not want to talk about it, really. You'd think they'd be taking a big victory lap, but they're not, because I think they understand that, like, you know, it, they're, they're trying to mitigate any like political backlash against this, and I think they are afraid honestly of a sustained you know uh there, there is a political will here that that you know that they are that can counter this, and like they are aware of that, and that's why they're doing all of these half these very these very like ticky tack very clever like efforts to just be like, oh like not issue an opinion, issue it in the middle of the night, not technically overturn Roe v. Wade, but do everything functionally but that. I mean, it's just like we, we, it's easy to lose track of the fact that like as as it regards like, you know, should women be allowed to like end a pregnancy that they would pre- prefer not to take to term? The vast majority of Americans believe that that should be a legal right and it should be done in a safe medical setting.
0: That's the problem, though. I mean, like I, if the past 10 years, the past 20 years have told us anything, it's that issue polling might as well mean nothing. I mean, yeah. how many How many like people who are, yeah, personally squeamish about abortion, but broadly in favor of the idea that women should have safe access to terminate a pregnancy, how many of them do you think voted for Trump? How many of them do you think voted for Abbott? And then, you know, go from there, how many people do you think just aren't going to be able to vote? How many people are going to be just beaten out of the process? It almost completely doesn't matter in some some regards i i do i could see a future where this does uh rally people in some aspect i hope that's the future uh but it is it's one of the less likely ones to imagine in this country
1: well i mean like it just feels like like so much else it's just like issue after issue 70 percent of the country whether they're in favor of it or against it are continually held hostage by like the 20 or 30 percent that like i said has are the beneficiaries of a political project that has placed themselves in key positions in institutional power to functionally uh, act as a veto over like a supermajority of democratic will. And like, you know, whether it's uh, abortion rights are now imperiled in half the country. I mean, voting rights are too. Mm-hmm. And like, if you think those two aren't connected, I mean, like there's a reason that both of these things are happening at the same time.
2: And I mean, the, the, like, it's like, it, it's, it's putting us those, those phrases, of, you know, being held hostage by the Republican base, but it, it is a, consensual uh process at the top of both parties like we like the the democrats uh prefer this system to one where uh there there was like there is a actual like partisan conflict between the two parties with a mass participation uh electorate because that would put demands on them that they aren't willing to make it was it's the it's the uh, decay of uh, of our democratic uh, system are uh, the, la- the drop in participation that has happened over the last 30, 40 years that uh, saved their ass from uh, the Sanders campaign in 2020. Like that's the- and you can't have that situation. You can't have a situation where everyone who is voting in primaries and, 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 and increasingly in general elections is this narrow sliver of uh, suburban homeowners. Uh, you can't have that situation. Uh, coexist with one where, uh, like real political differences on display because then uh, people might feel like it's worth their while to invest in the political process. And if they did uh, all of a sudden, the, the assurances that the, the Democrats have the stops, the valves they have to protect uh, the party as it exists uh, would be in, would be threatened.
1: Uh, yeah. And I mean, I'm just looking at the, uh, uh, the, the, the snitch website, prolifewhistleblower.com dot com. I mean, look, I mean I I am I'm, I'm sure like the, the cybersecurity on this, I'm sure they've anticipated a lot of it, but um you know, if you're gonna reporting people for, you know, violating someone's right to life, you could start with a lot of people in the Texas <laughs> government. And I, I just say it would be a shame if that website got, you know, inundated with spurious and um trolling uh uh snitches to make it functionally unusable. But I'm sure they've anticipated that as well. Just just something I was thinking of. I mean, I was just looking at like just just something, I mean, just something to just stand up to the fucking, like, just absolute fucking barbarism of, of like, just like I said, like, just crowd reporting any woman who's pregnant. It's just, I, it's, I mean, it's hard to imagine how much worse it's going to get. Fuck, man. I mean, like, I, I'm, 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 I'm out of words about what to talk about with this shit. I mean, like, it's just, I, I don't want to get into another fucking Doom episode, but I feel like the west coast of this country is being consumed by flames and the east is, like, sinking underwater, and I, I don't know man it just uh, fuck venom 2 on the way <laughs> that is all true all the good movies have been pushed back to 2022 we're getting no new mission impossible all right, I was, no I was new was just, top gun I was, I was just trying to help <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Ven- venom 2 has already has been delayed but yeah, hey true. i mean like it's it's look the movie's been made it's in the can it's out there somewhere yeah yeah some somewhere out in all that darkness someone's keeping the light of venom 2 on for me we got we got
2: uh, Woody Harrelson looking like Raggedy Andy, very excited. Maybe th- maybe this one will actually have a second act. That was my main <laughs>
0: problem with Venom. <laughs> Didn't follow typical act structure.
2: Well, it's just that, that all the scenes where he's just like supposed to be talking, like getting to know Venom, just they cut him all out. They shot him apparently. They just cut him all out.
0: Well, well may- bullshit. Maybe maybe we can get a director's cut. Um,
2: but now but, we're talking.
0: But yeah, no, it is. I mean, just this past day has been a uniquely awful feeling. I mean, as we said at the top of the show, this is just the domination of every woman in Texas and soon to be a lot more of the country. A lot of this has already been happening. We've talked about in previous years, uh, places like Indiana where they've locked women in prison for having miscarriages. Um, It is, it's a horrifying time. And there's very little funny that you can say in relation to it. There's uh, very little that you even want to say outside of just outright death threats. Outside of like just pushing Greg Abbott into the La Brea tar pits. But uh, we will we will have someone who is. More of an expert on this issue to talk about it. We this issue does deserve a lot more conversation. It won't be the last time we visit it.
1: I mean, it's just so terrible because, like, not only is there nothing like you know funny you can say about it, there's nothing really even like interesting or entertaining or novel you can say about it. Like, because like it's 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 already been said. It's just a question of like how many people are going to be prosecuted because of this, and like how many people are willing to like stand up and you know intentionally break the law to fight this. Mm -hmm. And through like you know either either passive resistance or just like openly you know just being like i'm willing to go to jail for this i'm willing to become like a national figure is there is is there anyone in the federal government who's willing to go to bat for you know in, in whatever way it's like you know if only if only if only the, the president of the united states had any authority you know i mean i understand we have this stupid federalist system but like i don't know Could we get rid of that please can we, can we get the can we just be done with that please i mean we it's always been the, the
2: question of like what does we mean you know yeah because, like if we, as we, as we understand that, like the the United the American people as a as a as a as a political body that expresses its will through a political process, that's not going to cut it. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, the, the and and one of the big problems, one of the big one of the, I'd say like the central problem we have is that because we have. Automated so much of the political process, and and hidden so much of the real levers of power and the real decision making that really does determine people's lives uh, in in technocratic machineries that are outside of of governance. We are always assuming that power relies else lies elsewhere from our own hands. I mean, and that that doesn't just mean people who don't vote assume somebody else is taking care of it, but it means that the people who do vote assume that people who they vote for are taking care of it. But even the people who we vote for don't really think that they are the final repositories of the will of the people. It's uh, it, it's always being it's been mechanized out of uh out of human hands. Uh and if there's going to be any change it's going to come from a redefinition of what we means of what the responsibility of that is of what of what being a political subject means uh and and what it means to uh embody a political point of view and embody uh a a desire to shape the world uh in ways that are more amenable to the survival of the human fucking species uh and uh, everything we see every day tells us that that's not that that's that it's a it's a dead concern, essentially, and that we've reached sort of the end point of of a human relationship, where where, where the market is the only thing we can trust to uh, to adjudicate our our desires, and that anything other than that is uh, is fascism or communism or whatever, some horrible boogeyman from the twentieth century. But we're gonna have to rediscover uh, not only like what we want, but also what we're willing to do to get it, yeah, uh, and and what. We mean when we say we, if, if anything's going to change.
1: I, I certainly can't. I, 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 I think we should leave it there. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, the first half of this show will we'll color the second half and our guests for of this, of this week. I know we promised some discussion of uh, domestic politics um, in light of all the Afghanistan stuff, but we, we do have uh, Jeff Stein coming on to talk about the infrastructure and budget bills. I know that seems as inadequate as I feel in this moment. Um, but like I, I, just, I just have to acknowledge that. Um, it would, I mean, obviously we have to talk about what's going on. But like, it's just as, as, as foolish as it feels. I just, I, I just want to close by saying, like, you know, uh, all of our listeners in Texas. I mean, I'm just, I'm, we're thinking of you, and that's, that's all I have right now. Okay, Jeff Stein of the Washington Post, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Okay. Uh, Joining us now is uh, Jeff Stein of The Washington Post. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks so much for having me
3: on. really appreciate it.
1: All right. So we want to talk to you about the the two big pieces of the Biden and Democratic uh, domestic agenda that are working their way through Congress right now. Uh, It's basically the budget bill, the budget reconciliation bill, and the infrastructure bill. Could you explain how all three of these different packages are, like, separate but connected? Like, they're all kind of... Are they part of the same deal? They, like, are Democrats trying to make them part of the same deal? And, like, where do they stand at this moment?
3: Yeah, it's. I think it's more useful to think of them as really two. There's two main things that are happening. There's one, which is the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which Biden and the White House negotiated primarily with Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, Um, That's about a trillion dollars for, you know, mostly physical infrastructure, roads, bridges, ports, highways, um, some money to upgrade the nation's drinking water. And then there's the second um, reconciliation package you alluded to, and that's about $3.5 trillion for a host of primarily expansions for the social safety net and money to combat climate change. Um, The first package is paid for kind of with, you know, frankly, mostly uh, accounting gimmicks, um, some repurposed money, and the second one is where Biden and Democrats hope to sort of uh, implement their their tax plans, uh, tax hikes on the rich and the wealthy and, and corporations, at least um, as as they've been characterizing it. So, the first package is going to sail through with you know overwhelming bipartisan support. The second one, you know, it will get zero Republican votes and requires every single Democrat and. Um, that will prove a very difficult process. Yeah, for, um, just, just
1: as, the, as, as at the time of you coming on, uh, Joe Manchin has just published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal where he writes, I for one won't support a 3.5 trillion dollar bill or anywhere near that level of additional spending without greater clarity about why Congress chooses to ignore the serious effects inflation and debt have on existing government programs.
3: Yeah, I just went to open that and I was actually paywalled out, which uh, reflects the limits of my reporting skills for sure. <laughs> It's called the incognito
1: window. You, should, uh, <laughs> you and the Wall Street Journal should, uh, I'm sorry, Washington Post should look into, into that can't, technology. can condone that, uh, yeah. Actually, I just want to go back for a second to something you said earlier about um, improving the nation's drinking water. Are they going to add more fluoride or hopefully Valium this time?
3: <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, as you guys know, it's an unbelievable crisis in so much of the country, not just Flint. Um, Flint's obviously got the most attention because of the extraordinary... You know, response by Snyder and everything that happened there and, and the federal outrage. But dozens of cities across the country have similar um, lead, lead pipe problems. And initially, the White House said that their plan would would take care of every lead pipe in the country. Um, I think they've estimated something like hundreds of thousands of schools have um, lead pipes and, and unsafe drinking water. They've now said that they're um, you know, approving roughly a third of what was initially requested to fix the nation's drinking supply. And the White House still maintains that that will ensure that every kid in every city has clean drinking water, but I don't understand how they're going to do that with a third of the money that they initially said was necessary, which a lot of the people I talked to said um, in itself was not enough to give everyone fluoride. I mean, to... Um, <laughs> Yeah, make sure that everyone yeah, We want people water. to have
1: fluoride, we don't want them to have lead uh, Right, Sorry, The bottom sorry. line here. I always mess up
0: Jeff, do you think that given that it'll be a third of the original amount they'll resort to some sort of means testing where they'll try to figure out the most lead contaminated schools, the municipalities least able to do it themselves or will it just be sort of like a slapdash first come first serve thing will it be like trying to get on a southwest flight <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a great question. Uh, I think what they'll do is sort of like a bid process for states and cities to document need. Um, I was looking into this because the need in Chicago in particular is is, is staggering. Um, at the current rate, Chicago will not be able to fix its lead pipes for 100 years, and um, the estimates I talked to from some, some people at the NRDC is that it could take another 20 years, um, even with this money sailing through for Chicago to uh, to get this done, um, mm-hmm. but it, that I mean the implementation side of this that you're, you're bringing up is kind of kind of staggering to think about. And, and without defending um, you know the intentions or the actions of anyone in Congress over the last year, there's just this like unbelievable series of nightmares that have generated plenty of um, very entertaining Matt Christman rants. Um, there's just no state administrative capacity. It sounds really boring, but over 40 years, the federal government has been cut. And there's even when lawmakers want to do something like unemployment benefits or stimulus checks or small business loans or the vaccine campaign, the, the government infrastructure just to do these things is, is incredibly weak. I had a story um, that went up yesterday that they don't anticipate um, the Medicare dental benefits that Bernie is pushing. They're worried that those don't get to seniors, um, for five years. So, you know, I've been thinking like, oh, you know, if they'll do dental benefits for 40 million seniors through Medicare, like that's a pretty good tangible economic benefit that people will benefit from ahead of 2022 and 2024. And now we've learned that CMS, you know, the center for Medicare and, and Medicaid services is telling the white house that they don't think they'll be able to get it done for three to five years. So your point about actually administering this money once it gets approved is is a really huge point um, and, and one we're focusing on.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting that it, to yeah that Chicago's in this because yeah, if you probably break down where they have the most lead pipe problems, you're probably going to be seeing areas that have been abandoned by all other social services, and yeah, there is no there just Chicago for example in Cook County there's no real remaining uh municipal infrastructure to do this to say Englewood in Chicago there's no real state infrastructure or desire to do this i mean these are places that over the course of the last 40 years since the industrialization have been completely hollowed out and abandoned nothing even comes there anymore that's I mean, we've we've talked about this on the last four or five episodes, but in places like Memphis and Jacksonville and Chicago, there are these places that are just, you know, you most people would not recognize them as part of America. And if you've completely given up on those areas for, you know, since Reagan, it's hard to get back in there now, even if you did have an infrastructure for it
3: well anyway, that that's why we have uh, private consultants who can do that work for us essentially yeah the
0: the many um, successes of the emanuel administration
3: the the um, I know Matt Bruning has been really harping on this, but uh, a lot of you know policy advocates were quite pleased that Democrats approved this child tax credit. it repealed basically the limit on the very poorest families receiving a monthly benefit of three hundred dollars per kid, which doesn't sound like a lot but um, and, and in many ways isn't but for people really with no income, $300 a month can make a big difference. But the IRS infrastructure to actually stand that up and make sure that the poorest people have it was so incredibly limited. They had to use um, Intuit. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the People's Policy Project, the the Bruning outfit, did their own (laughs) portal in like a week. Um, And to their credit, the Treasury just came out with a new one, but, you know, as excited as Bernie and, and, and a lot of other progressives are about the potential for a $3.5 trillion bill, uh, if the federal government doesn't work, it's not going to matter.
1: I mean, we, we see a um, something similar in the infrastructure bill or just um, even in um, uh, federal rental assistance. I mean, because we find out that like billions of dollars have been given to the states New York included, and New York is at the top of the list of states that have just not distributed this rental assistance. And uh, you also in the infrastructure bill. I mean, you're talking about long, long projects. And I want, I want to guess, like just go to the infrastructure bill right now because that would seem to be something of immediate concern, given what uh, New York City experienced last night, Mm. which is really just a small taste of what Louisiana is going through right now. But like, you know, when we talk about infrastructure. It's roads and bridges, and like, but they have really made the case for this to be a bipartisan bill. It really has to be only roads and bridges and basically nothing else.
3: Yeah. And some of the climate experts actually, you know, I think this is a little overstated, honestly, but they think that there are ways in which the White House kind of went backwards with a bipartisan bill. Their argument from some of the climate advocates is that, you know, this is going to sort of expand the uses of fossil fuel infrastructure, um, a lot of the money is going to go directly to Republican governors to build projects that will not be focused on climate measures or or mitigating um, those factors. Again, we've seen time after time um, the White House have to reduce its initial ask, which a lot of people thought was initially inadequate. Um, You know, uh, the initial uh, White House proposal had... Tons of money for um, electrification of school buses, tons of money for uh, electrification of, you know, uh, for electric charging stations all over the country. Um, Those numbers um, were fractions of what they, uh, uh, you know, the the final bill had had just a, a small fraction of what the White House initially thought was necessary for those projects. And I think this is really critical. As part of the agreement on, this gets weedsy and boring, but as part of the bipartisan infrastructure agreement, With Republicans, the White one of the key Republican asks the White House agreed to was that for those funding buckets that the that Republicans agreed to fund, the White House would not then go in in the partisan reconciliation package and increase by the um, by the uh, amount that they left off from their initial proposal. So, for instance, initially, the White House said that they wanted $45 billion to make sure everyone in this country has clean drinking water. Republicans and the White House agreed to just $15 billion. And as part of getting Republican support for the overall package, the White House agreed not to put $30 billion into the second Democrats-only bill. And now they're just saying, with $15 billion, we're still going to make it work somehow.
1: Well, uh, speaking of the infrastructure bill, uh, Mitch McConnell... Um, declared his support for it. And uh, he said, I, I quote, I was proud to support today's historic bipartisan infrastructure bill deal and prove that both sides of the political aisle can still come together around common sense solutions. So, I mean, like, I, so how big of a, uh, a bite did they have to take out of this bill to get to a common sense solution that even Mitch McConnell, someone who has, you know, appointed himself as like stopping the Biden agenda is the only reason I'm in the Senate. What, I mean, like, what, what, how big a bite out of it did they have to take? And why is it easy for Republicans to vote for this? Is it just because it's, they're spending federal money on fixing potholes, which is something their constituents won't get mad at?
3: Yeah, well, I think, so it's a good question. Part of what I think is going on here is Republican elite frustration with Trump. Obviously, Trump failed spectacularly to pass an infrastructure deal. And the, you know, the quiet Republican anger about Trump is real and the desire to show that, you know, they're serious about doing some substantive policy measures. I think it's real. I think the most you know the, the most uh, convincing explanation I've heard from some people about why Republicans support this is that they're optimistic that by appeasing Mansion and cinema on this ask, remember, Kristen Cinema um, has been at the forefront of the bipartisan infrastructure discussions. and there's a hope. Um, some Republicans think maybe naively, but but others are, are quite optimistic that, by playing ball with cinema on the bipartisan infrastructure package, they are sort of implicitly, and I'm sure her office would reject this, but they, they are implicitly earning her support for whittling down the tax hikes and other green and social safety net programs that Democrats want in the partisan infrastructure bill. And I think it's credible that if Republicans had just said no, right, Cinema and Manchin agree that Biden has to get something done. And their leverage in discussions in which they are the only two on the right flank of the caucus would be far diminished. So the Republican calculus was sort of like, if we get Cinema and Manchin and make them happy on this, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I'm sure there will be plenty of great reporting to be done about exactly what that interaction was like. And we'll have to see because Republicans, uh, not a joke, are very nervous about tax hikes on corporations and um, businesses and they're trying desperately. All the Republican lobbyist sources I talk to frequently are very, very eager to make sure that that Democratic tax hike is as minimal as possible. And making cinema and mansion happy might be a way to do that.
1: I mean, you talk about like, uh, like th- th- this is something that like uh, pe- people bang their heads against the wall about about making cinema and mansion happy. I mean, like this is just the system of government we have that like these two people now, um, they get to say yes or no. But like what what would make them happy? Because like when I think about like an old style model of politics, it would be pretty easy to just be like, we're going to build a football stadium in West Virginia called Joe Manchin Stadium and we're going to use federal tax money to do it. Like, are there any uh, perks or just like, you know, what used to be like pork barrel politics that these people that that Manchin and Cinema are going after? Or is this just is making them happy? Does that mean making them within the institution of the Senate anything that makes them the most powerful people in it, regardless of their own state?
2: Because I really wish, I really wish we were still in a world where you could just promise to build a hot topic themed amusement park in Phoenix <laughs> for Kristen Cinema, and then guarantee her support for anything you want.
3: You know, I, there is some stuff in the bipartisan infrastructure bill that they would deny and have denied to me, but that seems to me, at least, clearly designed to win Mansions' support. Um, you know, there's these hydrogen uh, fuel plants, basically sort of research development facilities that could be a, a big deal and could be tens of billions of dollars, and there's requirements um, in the bipartisan infrastructure deal that those be built. I think <laughs> the language is kind of funny. It's sort of like, in communities affected by the loss of coal jobs by a greater effect than others. And you are like, well, pretty clearly about West Virginia, maybe, maybe Ohio too. Um, so there, there are a few things like that. I actually, from the people I've talked to in, in the White House and uh, senior Democrats, they seem much more concerned about cinema at this point than Manchin. I mean, maybe that will prove wrong. Manchin seems to be very good at kind of getting media attention in a way that is, like the more you this see it up close, you kind of recognize the, the strategy in it. Um, where he, he clearly wants to show that he's kind of like at odds with the mainstream Democratic Party. And he'll, like, pick moments when things are quiet. So, like, you know, like, Afghanistan's, like, sort of settling down a little bit. Like, people are, like, moving on a little bit from the hurricanes. And so Manchin is, like, let me take this moment to make a big, bold statement that everyone will share on Twitter and everyone will yell at me about. And everyone who is, like, on coastal Twitter will, like, have a meltdown about. And then when you read it, it's, like, I am concerned that increasing spending by $3.5 trillion will increase inflation. And the thing with that is like if you have a bill with $3.5 trillion in tax hikes and $3.5 trillion in new spending, the inflationary argument is muted. So I think there's like a pretty good shot that Manchin is like giving himself a rhetorical out to be like, look, oh look, we didn't do 3.5 trillion in spending. We did, you know, zero in new spending because it's all offset with new tax hikes. I think cinema's idiosyncratic ideological commitments are a lot harder. Manchin seems to be following a pattern that at least there's more optimism that I sense that he's going to be there at the end of the day. He'll, he'll, he'll sort of go out and like dance for the media to show that he's not on board. This is, I think what a lot of people think. And then on at the end of the day, he'll, he'll be okay with everything. But you need both of them though, right? You need so both it doesn't really yeah. matter.
2: I mean, if Kristen cinema is, is, is dedicated to whatever fucking loopy, uh, life plan she has sketched out in her uh, Lisa Frank notebook, there's really nothing you can do about it. And then that means the thing's
3: dead, right? I- I've talked to a lot of business uh, lobbyists uh, who are extremely convinced that they, I wouldn't say control Christian cinema, but that they can reach her. That they can be a veto checkpoint on some of these uh, important policy matters. And the I think it's just worth stressing and like zooming out and saying that you know, Republicans and some centrist Democrats are characterizing the Biden plan and the reconciliation plan as this massive, sort of society-altering shift in the American, the fabric of of of, of the American economy. And there are elements in which it would be a big difference, but ultimately, you know, America has um, something like thirty-eight percent of its GDP. Is, is in, in uh, government spending. And what we're looking at is increasing that to like 40%. Almost all the Nordics are well above 50. Um, there's only like three or four countries in the OECD that are, are below 40. It's the same on the tax side. I think it's like Poland and like Hungary and like Mexico. There's like a, a vanishingly small number of countries that tax their citizens less to fund a, a safety net. And so while... Three point five trillion dollars seems like a lot, and there are a lot of programs that would be funded by this. In a lot of ways, it's it's a uh, it's a small fraction of of how far you know apart the U.S. is from inter- our international competitors. In a lot of ways,
1: okay. Well, like speaking to the the budget bill of which you know, like the the Democrats, as you said, like are are, are touting as kind of yeah the the New Deal Part Two. I mean, in in the reconciliation bill, I'm just looking at like just someone uh, David Dayan summed up like what's on offer here. We're talking about. What's described as affordable pre K childcare, tuition free community college, cheaper insurance exchange premiums, lower prescription drug prices, expanded Medicare. That's expanded Medicare for people over who are already of Medicare age and in the, in, in the form of things like dental and vision coverage, uh, building 2 million affordable units of housing and cheaper long term care. Could you talk about how? What, 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 why this is a reconciliation bill? and like this is where it gets confusing for like a lot of people, like what does, what is this reconciliation process? and like you know or like, are like are the Democrats willing to to use the reconciliation process because it only refers to budgets, right? So like like what are they going to get like through this reconciliation thing? but even doing that, they would still need mansion and cinema?
3: Yeah, the reconciliation is just like a way. Of, it, the reconciliation and the budget are just the same thing. And what they passed was what's called like the reconciliation instructions. Not, I think the reason it's called reconciliation is because after the House and the Senate each pass the budget, then it gets reconciled where they come up with some compromise and then both the House and the Senate have to pass it again. Um, I am not a Senate House parliamentarian expert. I find that stuff like, incredibly boring. You're, you're not the parliamentarian? <laughs> incredibly boring. You should get her on, though. I'm sure she'd be a great guest.
1: <laughs> um, but like, Okay, so... It's, it seems like the budget is, is pretty far off from, from being passed. In, the infrastructure bill has already passed the Senate. Yeah. What is the state of it in the House right now?
3: There's a big debate right now about whether they should reopen the infrastructure debate in the House to make some changes that people want. For instance, there's a lot of people who are angry about the crypto changes in the bill, and they want them to reopen What are the crypto it.
1: changes? I <laughs> don't even know crypto oh is God. part of it. Of an infrastructure
3: I think, bill? I think the crypto people are the only people that have been more difficult for me to deal with on Twitter than the Cometown fans. Like, it's like (laughs) neck and neck. But um, (laughs) the crypto changes are basically, they want um, new reporting requirements for, you guys really want to go down this rabbit hole? (laughs) This is really boring. (laughs) They want, basically, the way crypto works is that um, there are these brokerages that essentially you can go to buy and sell your crypto, Right. And everyone in the crypto space, including the brokers themselves, agree that these brokerages should have to report big transactions to the IRS. So the IRS knows that if you made like a million bucks, like on your Dogecoin, uh, do you guys have a Chapo coin yet? You guys should <laughs> we should. Work on
0: that. Yeah, we have. Um, so we have this really interesting cryptocurrency that is the greater the disparity between a Rotten Tomatoes critic score and an audience score, the more it goes
3: up. I would like an NFT. (laughs) Is that a minimum? So, again, the the upshot of the crypto bill is basically more reporting requirements for brokerages in the crypto space. Crypto advocates are very worried that the bill is written in a way that would give Treasury power to crack down and basically require people who do uh, development for crypto and who produce crypto to also send tax forms to the IRS And very few people in the crypto space actually have those reporting requirements, have those reporting, like even the ability to report um, to the IRS those uh, tax forms. Treasury says it has no intention of requiring anyone who's in that space who doesn't have tax forms to report them to the IRS. Um, But there are enough people who represent districts where crypto is a growing presence that are saying, hey, we're uh, not okay with this. we got to open up the entire infrastructure bill to make those changes and send it back to the Senate. Anyway, that big picture, yes, the infrastructure bill passed the Senate. The House is holding on to the infrastructure bill because they are waiting to see if the Senate will also pass the reconciliation package, the one that Democrats really want, the one that Pelosi is holding out for, essentially, and... Once that reconciliation package passes the Senate, the thinking goes, then they can pass both in tandem. And that is sort of the leverage that the progressives are trying to use in this process to say, we are not going to support the bipartisan infrastructure deal until the Senate clears the um, reconciliation package on the theory that if they vote for the infrastructure package first, Manchin and Cinema could say, you know, we got what we wanted um, there's no need for uh, us to support what you guys want, which is the $3.5 trillion spending bill.
1: Uh, Two last things before we got to go. First is where does the PRO Act stand in like all of these various budgets and bills? Is it in there somewhere? Is there any chance of that getting passed? And then finally, uh, uh, just the last thing about this, the unemployment insurance cliff that's coming up right now. Could you speak on those two things?
3: Uh, Yeah, on the PRO Act, um, it's a complicated bill that I don't don't have full mastery of, but there are a lot of provisions that, to my surprise, actually, I have a really good shot of passing, in particular, more um, punitive measures and fines for corporations that, you know, currently right now, the NLRB doesn't really have a lot of authority to levy fines when bosses sort of abuse their workers. And I, I don't know the specs, but that's, that's the upshot. And another part of it is sort of massively increasing the budget for the NLRB, um, supersizing it, you know, sort of cops on the beat kind of thing. But similar to the massive increase we're talking about in IRS agents, um, so those could both pass, even though it seems like other parts of um, of the pro act are are dead on arrival, including sort of other requirements that um, would would increase union membership. Uh, the unemployment stuff has been a big focus of mine recently. We're looking at the biggest benefits cliff, according to many experts, in in sort of the history of of, of the country. Uh, uh, roughly 10 million people are about to lose their unemployment benefits. Um, Seven million will lose them entirely. On September 6th. i I've talked to a lot of people who are very worried about their ability to make ends meet. Um, some people who voted for Biden who are kind of left holding the bag and wondering what 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 they're supposed to do. Um, obviously, uh, there's been you know when they passed the stimulus in March, there was the hope that the economy would be better and that the vaccines would take care of the virus. But obviously, you know Delta and Hospitalization rates increasing, and deaths increasing. A lot of people are very, you know, without, you know, who are immunocompromised and otherwise vulnerable are very scared about going back to work, and they're about to all lose their benefits. Um, there's been an outrage, obviously, from Republicans and business groups that, you know, that the unemployment benefits were fueling uh, labor shortages and incentivizing people to stay at home. But a, a lot of research recently has debunked much much of that. So, very scary moment in the next week. Um, and we'll have to see uh, if there's any momentum at all to, to do something about it. Even, even Sanders really has been very quiet on that issue because he's so focused on the budget stuff.
1: All right, uh, Jeff Stein of The Washington Post. we got to end right there, but uh, thank you for joining us. Real pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you, Jeff.